that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? Question, has Christianity worked? Has Christianity worked? In other words, do we see a nation that is getting closer to God or do we see a nation that is getting further away from God? Another way to ask this question is this. If we went back in time 50 years ago, would we see a nation that was closer to God, a more God-fearing nation? Or would we see a nation that has totally drifted away? Well, you know the answer to that question just as well as I do. I'm not saying 50 years ago America was perfect. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that if you went back in time, you would probably see a nation that was closer, a more God-fearing, a more commandment-keeping society than we have today. So the question is, has Christianity worked? You know, I heard a story one time about Billy Graham in a moment of quiet time with, with his family. He admitted that he felt like he had been a failure. The reason was quite simple. After 40 years of preaching and being heard by millions of people on TV, he did not see a nation that was any closer to God. Now, what is the problem? Is the problem Christianity doesn't work? Maybe it worked at one time, but it doesn't work now. And if so, then why doesn't it work now? Why is that so? That at one time it seemed to work, but it doesn't work now. Now, some people would say that Christianity has never worked. Is the problem that the spirit of our age is just more powerful than Christianity? In other words, the spirit of our age, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, that all of these things are just more powerful you know, this, then, then you know, the spirit of the age is just overcomes us and overtakes us. And so the battle is lost already. Is the problem that, that we don't have anything inside of us to counter the spirit of the age? In other words, we don't really have the Holy Spirit of God. We have all kinds of people running around saying that they're religious, that they're Christian, that they know the Lord, but inside they don't really have the Spirit of God that would make a difference in the way they live their life. Is the problem that too many people are playing church, that they want salvation more than they want a relationship with God? And I go back to what Billy Graham said here, you know, after 40 years, feeling like he'd been a failure, after 40 years of preaching and being heard by millions, he did not see a nation that was any closer to God. What's wrong? What's the problem? Why has Christianity not worked? Now, I'm not saying that it won't work. I mean, I'm just saying the kind that we've been exercising, the kind of Christianity that we've been exercising doesn't work, is what I'm saying. Now, when we ask the question, okay, what is the problem? Now, I have an answer, and the answer may surprise you. I want you to look at these statistics here. In the U.S., there are over 450,000 churches that dot our landscape. 
Think about that, over 450,000 churches that dot our landscape. I think I figured this up to the population of the United States, and that works out to be about for every 7,000 people on the earth, on, on, in the United States, there's a church that represents 7,000 people. Now, I know that not everybody goes to church and not everybody claims to be religious, but I'm just saying the influence of religion, the influence of Christianity, the influence of churches that dot our land. Over 450,000 churches dot the landscape of America. Let's go back to this chart here. 84% of Americans claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. 74% confess commitment to Jesus Christ. So on the surface, it would seem that we are a Christian nation. Yet, take a look at this, yet 72% of Americans say the moral value of America is worse than ever before. 68% of Americans say divorce is morally acceptable. The divorce rate among Christians is the same as non-Christians, about 50%. 60% say having a baby outside of marriage is morally acceptable. 59% say gay and lesbian sexual relationships are morally acceptable. 63% say sex between unmarried men and women is morally acceptable. And despite all the Christian broadcasting, evangelism, and soul-saving campaign, campaigns, there's about an 84 to 97% fall-away rate. In other words, when they go back and check up on these people who have given their heart to the Lord and raised their hand and said, I believe in Jesus, when they go back to follow up, close to 100%, they can't, you know, there's a follow-away rate, they can't even find them. They're no longer active at all in the area of commitment. Now, if these statistics don't shock you, nothing will shock you. Now, I can hear someone say, well, the reason those statistics are like that is because of all of the unbelievers. Wait a minute, you weren't looking at this chart right, were you? Let's go back to the first one here. 84% of Americans claim to believe in the divinity of Jesus Christ. 74% confess commitment to Jesus Christ. So it's not that, we're not talking about all of these unbelievers. On the surface, it looks like that we're a religious nation. And yet, and yet, when you look at that, 72% of Americans say the moral value of, of our nation is worse today than ever before, that something is wrong. Yeah, I tell you, something is wrong. Something is dreadfully wrong. Now, I'll tell you what I think that, what it is. As Americans, we have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. Let me repeat that. As Americans, we have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. And it goes something like this. I choose a church of my choice, probably something convenient, something I can walk to, something I can drive a couple miles to, the closest one to me. I choose a church of my choice, I get some religion, therefore, I have a relationship with God. That's the illusion, okay? That's the illusion, that's the substitution. I choose a church, 
I get some religion, therefore I have a relationship with God. I have a relationship with God because my minister says so. After all, I'm sitting in church and, and he tells me I have a relationship with God. He tells me I believe. He tells me I have faith, whatever. Now, I want to begin a series, and this is going to be quite a uh, number of series on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. In other words, the relationship must come first. We've, we've, in our nation, we've had the cart in front of the horse. We've been doing it all wrong for all these many years by thinking, okay, I go to church, I get some religion, I got a relationship with God. No, I'm saying that, that a relationship with God must first be built, your personal relationship with God must first be built in the absence of church and religion. In other words, it's you and your Bible, it's you and your prayer life, it's you and a day of connectivity with God. You know, a relationship with God starts with you. It doesn't start at church. It doesn't start with your religion. It starts with you. You've got to understand this. Listen to this commercial, and I'll be right back. Well, we were all born into a ready-made world of religion. I, uh, I don't think any of us ever questioned it. We, we assume the traditions around us come uh, straight from the Bible. Now, what we know is this. We didn't make this stuff up. We didn't say, I think Santa Claus and gift swapping is a good way to honor the Savior of the world. No, uh, you and I didn't make that decision. We didn't say, I think one hour of worship on Sunday is what we should do. These decisions were all made for you before you ever came into the world. It's that ready-made world of religion that we were all born into. That dictates what we will believe. You know, you and I were born into a ready-made world of religion, and we really had no say-so over it. We just sort of slipped into it. We were born into it. We didn't make this stuff up. You know that as well as I do. And that ready-made world of religion tells you how to worship God. In other words, this is the way that we do it. But suppose much of what you've been taught is wrong. You know, and I'm telling you, many of the trappings, what I call the trappings of mainstream Christianity, actually blinds you to the real God. You will never know the real God through all of the trappings of mainstream Christianity. <clears throat> so I have a whole series coming up on this ready-made world of religion that you were born into and how to identify its lies that you've been told. You know, there are eight assumptions, eight building blocks that people seem to build their faith on. And I'll go through each one of these building blocks and reveal that each one, you know, is basically a lie that you've been lied to about the Bible. But you see, you were born into this ready-made world of religion, and what you did is you thought, well, it's got to be right. There it is. There it is, and, and it's got to be right. The majority is always right, right? Wrong. No, the majority is always wrong. You want to keep that in mind. Okay, I have another series, the series on entitled, Why Do You Want a Relationship with God? Because this is a fundamental question. You know, before we actually get into a relationship, let's ask the most important question. Why do you want one? If you can't answer that question, you'll never have a relationship with God. You know, a lot of people would say, well, prove to me that there is a God and I'll believe in Him. 
Did you know that you cannot, they say in a court of law, that you cannot actually prove that George Washington ever existed? Oh, you can come close. There's a lot of documents out there. But as far as in a court of law, that you would not be able to prove beyond a shadow of a, of a doubt that George Washington ever existed. And so what I go through in this series is that, you know, that there's only one way to prove that God exists. And it's simple and it works every time. And you don't want to miss this one either. I go through another series on, on religious addiction. And I have a 22 questionnaire where that will identify if you are addicted to religion or not. I would be willing to say that about 80% of people who are religious are addicted to religion. Well, what is religious addiction? Well, it's being in a religion where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. Let me repeat that. It's being in a church, a religion, where you don't have to think and make decisions for yourself. For that reason, I'm telling you, most people are addicted to religion. There are no decisions. There, there is no thinking that you have to do. Okay. I do another series on religious propaganda. And you see, the fact that you are here in this world, you've been exposed to religious propaganda all of your entire life. And until someone like myself comes along and tells you what religious propaganda is, you'll just believe it all of your entire life. You will fall hook, line, and sinker for the religious propaganda out there. And so in this series, I tell you how to identify religious propaganda. You see, there's a lot of detoxification you've got to go through before you can have a true relationship with God. You know, a lot of people are drunk on religion. They can't get enough of religion. And so, just like an alcoholic, you've got to go through a detox program before you can re-educate your mind. Another series that I have is entitled, Don't Go to Church, Be the Church. Let me ask you a question. Would God ever tell you not to go to church? Let's take a look at this verse right here. Isaiah 1 and verse 13. I'm reading from the Message Bible here. It says, quit your worship charades. Notice this. Quit your worship charades. I can't stand your trivial religious games, monthly conferences, weekly Sabbaths, special meetings, meetings, meetings. I can't stand one more. Meetings for this, meetings for that. I hate them. You worn me out. I am sick of your religion, religion, religion while you go right on sinning. Yeah, would God ever tell us don't go to church? <laughs> yeah, he would. Because we have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. So you don't want to miss this message. Don't go to church. Be the church. Another series that I go through is how to understand God without the Bible. How to understand God without the Bible. You know, when I was taught about preaching, I was taught that when you speak to your congregation, the Bible may not be the best place to start when you're building a sermon. That you want to look at your people. You want to ask, what's it like to be 80 years old and coming to the end of your life? What's it like to have uh, the first stages of Alzheimer's? What's it like to be addicted to that smoking addiction or whatever? In other words, you want to look at your people, and that's where you start building a sermon. You don't start with the Bible to build a sermon. And it's also true when it comes to understanding God. Listen, 
You don't start with the Bible. How to understand God without the Bible. Listen to me. You could spend a lifetime knowing God without the Bible. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. Another series is the commanded disconnect. Did you know in your Bible, in the actual Ten Commandments of God, one of the Ten Commandments that tells us how to connect with God? Now, you know, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Well, this one commandment tells you how to disconnect and connect with God. And I'm telling you, most preachers out there will tell you this one commandment is not important. That it's for somebody else, it's not for us, it's been done away with, it's been nailed to the cross, whatever. I don't know what kind of idiotic, crazy things these preachers will tell you, but th this one commandment that tells you how to connect with Him, the Creator God, most preachers will dis dismiss. So this series will be entitled, The Commanded Disconnect, and again, you don't want to miss it. And, and again, without this one area, you cannot know the real God. You can be religious, oh yeah, you can be religious. I didn't say you couldn't be religious. You can go to church six days a week and twice on Sunday, you can sing in the choir, you can do missionary work, you can do all kinds of things. But without this one issue, you can't know this, this commanded disconnect. You cannot know the real God. Another series that I'm going to do is entitled A Clash of Wills. A Clash of Wills. You know, Jesus, when he came to that final moment of his life, he had a clash of wills. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. Listen, you can never, and, and, and a clash of wills is how to know if God is working with you or not. And this is how you know, and it is through a clash of wills. You know, Jesus said, I haven't come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. You know, if you view yourself as basically a good person, as a righteous person, you know, you're doing everything right, God's not even working with you. You're out of the loop totally. Jesus said, I haven't even come to call the righteous or the religious. I've come to call the sinner to repentance. You don't want to miss this message. It's a powerful message, a clash of wills. And you will be encouraged to find out that, yes, God may just be working with you. Next, another program I'm going to do is entitled Choosing a Support Group. After you've built a relationship with God, yes, you're going to want to choose a support group. I like to refer to the church as a support group, uh, a support group for a bunch of junkies, a bunch of junkies trying to overcome sin. And I go through a list of what you've got to look for in choosing a support group. This is critical information. <clears throat> the last series that I will do is entitled Receiving the Spirit of God. How to receive the Spirit of God. If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. How to receive the Spirit of God. You know, a dead church cannot help you receive the Spirit of God. Now, they can help you receive a counterfeit spirit. Oh yeah, be aware there is a counterfeit spirit out there. It can make you feel good. It can make you look like a buffoon, but it can make you feel good. And uh, all emotional, all bubbly inside, you know, it can make you feel good. 
about yourself, about your religion. There is a counterfeit spirit out there. In the end, it will destroy your, yourself. It will destroy you. So how to receive the Spirit of God? And there is no more critical information than knowing this one. How do I receive the Holy Spirit of God? You're not going to hear this in your local church. I guarantee you this. You're not going to hear it. It's a critical, important message to hear. Now, all of this is critical information. You need to hear every one of these series. How to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Because like I said, I think we got it backwards. The fundamental concept is go to church, get you some religion, and therefore you have a relationship with God. Not so. Not so at all. First, you develop a relationship in the absence of church and religion. It's you, your Bible, it's God, it's your prayer life, it's the commanded disconnect, you know, and that's how you build a relationship with God first, or begin a relationship with God. Then, later, you go out and choose a support group. But you don't start with the support group first. You understand what I'm saying? I think you do. You know, there's more to a relationship with God. I think a lot of people have, have said this. There's got to be more to a relationship with God than what I'm getting at church. And that is often the case, that people get on what I call the merry-go-round of churchianity. And what they end up doing is just busying themselves to death. And it feels good. It's a way we compensate. You know, well, if I can sing in the choir, if I can go to more conferences, if I can go to this study, that study, if I can, if I can, if I can teach a class, often we get suckered into doing things that really is not us. So why don't you teach this? And why don't you do this youth class? And, and our hearts are really not in it. But because we think, well, it's, you know, I got to do this. I got to do this, and it will make me more religious. This will make me closer to God if I just get on the merry-go-round of churchianity and busy myself to death. And for a lot of us, it's like a second job that you hold down. It's just, it's never ending. It's never ending. You know, the one question God will never ask you when you meet God is, where did you go to church? Why? Because it's not important. It's not important. At that moment, when you stand before God, it's going to be about a personal, intimate relationship with God. That's what it's going to be about. And this series is on how to begin that process. It is critical information to have. And I think it's something that as we look at the statistics of our nation, as we look at the downfall of our country, as we look at the lack of values and morality that we're up against, you know, you begin to realize, man, something is wrong. Something is dreadfully wrong. When you look at the fact that we, most people confess in America that they are a Christian or something, as I looked at those statistics early, 84% of Americans claim to believe in the, the divinity of Jesus Christ, and 74% confess commitment to Him, yet, yet, let's look at this again, yet, 72% of Americans say the moral value of America is worse than ever before. 
68% of Americans say divorce is morally, is morally acceptable. The divorce rate among Christians is the same as non-Christians, about 50%. 60% say having a baby outside of marriage is morally acceptable. 59% say gay and lesbian sexual relationships are morally acceptable. 63% say sex between unmarried men and women is morally acceptable. This is shocking statistics, shocking statistics. And you know, there's something that we can do about it. It is something that we can do about it. And that is we can begin to develop a relationship with God without church and religion. Later on, you'll, you'll choose a support group, yes. But let's make sure that relationship actually exists. Going to church does not make you religious. I don't care if you've been in church for 40 years. I don't care if you've got a plaque on the wall that says you've never missed a church service in the past 40 years. That does not mean you have a relationship with God. What, what tells that you have a relationship with God is whether you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. And you're not born with the Holy Spirit of God. There is a way to go about receiving that. And one of the first things we're going to have to go through is a detoxification process to, earn, to unlearn a lot of nonsense, a lot of falsehood, a lot of error that you've been taught all of your life. We're going to have to go through a detox program and, and realize we've been propagandized by religious propaganda. All of these things are critical. This is a critical series, a critical program here how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. And you need to hear every one of these programs. And remember, that's what's really in your Bible. And I'll see you next time. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? There are over 450,000 churches in America. Yet America continues its downward spiral towards immorality and corruption. The problem is, People have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. The paradox is this. A personal relationship with God must first begin in the absence of church and religion. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151 or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.